Took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be. He's still working on me. There really ought to be a sign upon my heart. Don't judge me yet, there's an unfinished part. But I'll be better just according to his plan, fashioned by the master's loving hands. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be, he's still working on me. In the mirror of his word, reflections that I see, makes me wonder why he never gave up on me. But he loves me as I am and he helps me when I pray. Remember he's the potter, I'm the clay. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be. He's still working on me. He's still working on me. He's still working on me. Amen. You know, in that second verse, it says, In the mirror of his word, reflections that I see make me wonder why he's never gave up on me. Have you ever wondered that? You know, I'm so thankful he's a God of not only second chances, but third and fourth and you know, he wants us to make it more than we want to make it ourselves. You know, and I'm so thankful for that long-suffering that God, you know, that attribute of long-suffering that he has. This says, he loves me as I am and helps me when I pray. Remember, he's the potter and I'm the clay. He loves me as I am. I'm going to speak about, well, look at Angel. She's got her shirt on. I'm going to speak about just as I am. And that's what I spoke about at the youth camp. I want to bring that message to you guys. I didn't know that the young people would be back in here. You're going to hear it again. I'm sorry. But, you know, I just I felt like I, I just wanted to bring that to you guys again. And I almost want to have Angel come up here and stand and just model her shirt for us. But, no. <laughs> but he loves us as we are, you know. You don't have to be some perfect person. For God to love you. And that's, that's a good thing, right? We'd be in trouble if we had to be perfect for God to love us. All right. Well, if you have your Bible, let's go ahead and turn to Luke 15, verses 11 through 24. A lot of you probably 
know the story of this right as soon as I said where it's at. But this is, it's the story of the prodigal son. And it says, And he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me, and he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father. And will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him. And he had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe, put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Praise God. There's a lot of that that I can sympathize with and empathize with and relate to. You know, the, the prodigal son decided to go, to go his own way and to, to live to please himself. And he had spent all. You know, the devil wants to rob you. He wants to rob you of your innocence, your inheritance, your self-worth. He wants you to have nothing. He wants, to, he wants you to join yourself with a citizen of this world who will send you into the pig pen of sin. You'll be so hungry for love, for affection, that you'll long for the husk and the scraps that are fed to the swine. But when you come to yourself and remember Father's house, swallow your pride and arise and go to the Father, and confess that you have sinned, and you are unworthy to be called a son, you know what he'll do? Every time, he will run to meet you, and welcome you back home. Not one of us is worthy of forgiveness. I sang that song Sunday, unworthy of the blood. But he will never deny us forgiveness. Jesus paid the price. He's not going to not forgive you. Double negative makes it positive, right? He's not going to not forgive you. Jesus paid that price. God would not send his only begotten son to earth to sacrifice his life for our sins and then turn around and not forgive us. That doesn't make any sense. Peter asked Jesus in Matthew 18, 
Matthew 18, 21 through 35. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Till seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him ten thousand talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion, and loosed him, and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out, and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him, and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw that what was done, they were very sorry, and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. When his Lord, when his Lord after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desired me. Shouldest not thou also... Have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee. And his Lord was wroth, and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do unto you also, if you from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Peter asked Jesus how often he should forgive a brother that sinned against him. Jesus said we should give 70 times 7, not 7 times, but 70 times 7. And he tells us the parable about being forgiven and then turning around and not forgiving someone that owes us. He tells us to, from our hearts, forgive our brother his trespasses. If we're not allowed to deny forgiveness, then he certainly won't deny it to us. 1 John 1 and 9 says, if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Proverbs 28 and 3 says, He that covers his sins shall not prosper, but he that confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy and forgiveness. Confess means to say the same thing as admitting or saying with God that we have sin. Forsake means to turn away from, to leave behind. The prodigal son came home. When he came home, he still had all the dirt from that pig pen still on him. But he got up and admitted that he had sinned, and he left the pig pen behind. You know, he didn't, he didn't have to get cleaned up before he came home. Let God do that. All God wants is for you to come home. He didn't wait till he got his life straightened out to ask for forgiveness. He came just as he was. He came home an unworthy sinner, but his father forgave him and welcomed him back with a big barbecue. All of us are unworthy of his blood and of his mercy, but he gives it anyway. Satan doesn't win when you sin. He wins when you don't confess it. <clears throat> Receive God's grace and go and sin no more. You don't have to be perfect to be free. 
You don't have to be as good as a Christian as your mom or your dad or your grandma or your grandpa, your pastor, your youth leader, your Sunday school teacher. You don't have to be as good a Christian as them to be saved. You just have to be yourself and to ask God to forgive you when you mess up and to help you to walk with him every single day. If you mess up, fess up. I heard a great man preach a message on that one time, sitting over here in the blue shirt in front of Brother Gayhart. I'll never forget that message. It was Brother Sherman. That's right. And he'll meet you right where you are and just as you are, even if you're yet a sinner. Romans 5, 6 through 9. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for us. He died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commended his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. You don't have to change before you get saved. He'll take you just as you are. Jesus will change you after, you after you get saved. You don't have to be perfect to become free. Charlotte Elliott wrote that song, Just As I Am. Back in 1835 or somewhere, somewhere around there. I didn't write down the date. But she wrote, she wrote the song, Just As I Am. And she was wanting to cleanse her life before becoming a Christian. And there was a reverend there. Dr. Caesar Mallon, and he was, he was in her, her dad was a preacher, and he was in her, in her home, and he asked her how she was doing, and she didn't give him a very good answer, and, you know, she was offended by him asking that, and after, after sitting there and stewing on it for a day or two, she went to him, the Holy Spirit was working on her. And she asked him, you know, why would you ask me that? And he, he just told her, you know, you just have to be yourself. You just have to come as you are to God. Come, as, come just as you are. And she committed her life to Christ that very day. And she never forgot those words that he told her. And sometime later, she wrote that song, Just As I Am. You know, Billy Graham used that song in his crusades to bring a lot of people to Christ. Thousands of people. You know, that was one song when I was growing up. If that was sung in an altar call, it was hard for me to ignore. You know, the Holy Spirit would deal with me really if I was not right with God, you know, he really dealt with me on that song. <clears throat> I'm thankful for what that song means to me in my life. John 15 and 13 says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He loves you so much that he will completely change you if you ask him to. Mark 3 and 27 says, No man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man, and then will he spoil his house. You need one who is stronger than the strong man to be free. 
1 John 4 and 4 tells us, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. The key is being in Christ. If any man is in Christ. The key is being in Christ. Once you ask him for forgiveness, old habits, thoughts, desires will pass away. You begin to develop new and better habits, thoughts, and desires. Ephesians 6.10 says, Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. You can't do it in your own strength. You have to rely on His might. You can't live right on your own. You have to have His power. Charles Spurgeon had a good quote. It says, In the strength of Jesus' name, go up and smite your sin. Never rest till you have driven your dagger through every evil that lurks within your soul. You have to attack that sin with the Holy Spirit's help. You know, if we just rely on the Holy Spirit after we get saved, He will put His finger on things in our life that aren't pleasing to Him. And if we can listen to Him and with His help and His strength, His power, we can start bringing those things under subjection. We can bring them down to the altar and let go of them and, and clean our lives up one step at a time. You have to develop convictions and boundaries in your life. If something keeps causing you to sin, you have to stop participating in that activity. It's the principle of cutting off your hand or plucking out your eye if it keeps causing you to fail. And that's not a, a literal thing, but it's, it's, a, it's figurative. It's better to do without something and make heaven your home than to indulge in something and lose your soul over it. You ever heard that song on the river? It says, I don't want to gain the whole world and lose my soul. You know, that's referring to Mark 8 and 36. <clears throat> we have to be careful with what we're allowing ourselves to get away with watching, reading, and listening to. Be careful with the choices we're making. A lot of times, young people won't even try to become a Christian because it looks like it's too hard. They feel like they can never be as good as brother so-and-so or sister what's-her-name. And so they won't even try. But you don't have to be perfect to be free. We're all, different, we're all at different points in our life, and our God is a long-suffering and understanding God. It doesn't matter if you fail Him, keep trying till you get it right. If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. Have you ever had a goal or an activity that seemed too hard for you? Maybe bench pressing 200 pounds. You just can't lay down and bench 200 pounds. You got to work your way up to it. You got to start small with maybe like 80 pounds. But if you keep working at it and then start adding a little weight at a time, eventually you will be able to bench 200 pounds. That's how it is with being a Christian. You're not going to be a perfect Christian right away. It takes some practice, some failing to learn and eventually get it right. A baby doesn't just all at once start walking one day. No, first it'll roll around, then it'll start scooting, then it'll start crawling, then it'll start pulling itself up, then start standing, and eventually start taking steps 
with a lot of falling. But then they start walking. And does the parents just bonk them on the head every time they fall down? You know, I think we've got the wrong image of God a lot of times. He's not waiting in heaven with a hammer wanting to smack you in the head every time you, you fall down. He wants you to be able to walk. And he's patient with us. He helps us back up. He'll forgive us. The parent don't bonk them on the head every time they fall down. No, they help them back up. They make the boo-boos feel better. They encourage them to try again. And that's what God does with us. 1 John 2, 1 and 2 in the New Living Translation says, My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. Living a Christian life is like being in a race, but it's not a sprint with only one winner. It's more like a marathon. And everyone that finishes the race is a winner. Everyone that finishes the race is a winner. It doesn't matter if you finish first. It only matters that you finish. If you fall down in this race, you don't have to go back to the starting line. You just get back up, dust yourself off, and start putting one foot in front of the other again. If you mess up, you fess up. Ask God to forgive you for falling and to help you not fall for that trick anymore. It only matters that you are in the race and that you put your whole heart into it. Finish the race and hear him tell you, well done. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Jesus says, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And you shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you don't, if you're not in the race, will you come to him tonight? He'll take you just as you are. You know, I was watching a series called The Chosen. And it's about the life of Jesus. They're, they're making a series called The Chosen. In the last episode of the first season, they did The Woman at the Well. And I'll tell you what, it's worth your time to watch that, that show. You can download the app on your phone or... I think even Peacock has it. But man, you make it through that first episode, it kind of starts slow. And at the end of the episode, it, it picks up. And then the rest of it, I, I just cry through all of them. But it does the woman at the well and Jesus coming to meet her. And they went out of their way. They went to Samaria. And, you know, he, he started talking to her. He sent his disciples into the into the town to get some food. He just wanted some one-on-one -on -one time with her. And, you know, you watch that episode, it'll get you. But, you know, there's a quote somebody put on Facebook. It wasn't the water that he came for, it was me. Signed, the woman at the well. And, you know, that's, that's each one of us. He cares so much about us, personally. He wants a personal relationship with each and every one of us. And he loves us so much that he'll go out of his way to bring us back to him. And he wants you just as you are. Each one of us are individual. There's no one of us the same. 
and he needs each and every one of us. He created us for a purpose. He wants to use us for the furthering of his, of his kingdom. We all have attributes. We all have talents that God can use to further his kingdom. And he just wants a wholehearted service from us. But let's be, let's be dedicated enough to give him all of our heart. You know, don't let anything come in between us. He wants to use you to further his kingdom. Well, I, I would sing just as I am, but I mean, I'm not trying to get an altar call going or anything. But, you know, just take that home with you. Or youth, when you put your shirt on, when you see it in your closet, remember that he wants you just as you are. He, he'll, he can use you just as you are. He, he can change you. You don't have to change to come to him. But he can take you and use you just as you are. Amen? Thank you, guys.